Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the podcast, and our thank you gift, the book Tactics, when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his second teaching, diving into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about true love. This is from the book, The Love Dare. Love is built on two pillars that best define what it is. Those pillars are patience and kindness. All other characteristics of love are extensions of these two attributes. Love inspires you to become a patient person. When you choose to be patient, you respond in a positive way to a negative situation. You are slow to anger. You choose to have a long fuse instead of a quick temper. Rather than being restless and demanding, love helps you settle down and begin extending mercy to those around you. No one likes to be around impatient people. Impatience overreacts in angry, foolish, regrettable ways. But the irony of anger toward a wrong is that it spawns new wrongs of its own. Anger almost never makes things better. In fact, it usually generates additional problems. It will trample on long-term relationships while reacting to short-term mishaps. He goes on. Patience stops problems in their tracks. Patience takes a deep, a needed deep breath. Patience is a choice. Remember, it's an expression of love, which is a decision. To control your emotions rather than allowing your emotions to control you. It shows discretion instead of returning evil for evil. Patience brings internal calm to an external storm. If you were to take off its mask, you'd see that anger is often an emotional reaction flowing out of our ignorance, foolishness, and selfishness. Patience, however, makes us wise. It says, help me understand instead of how dare you. It, does, it doesn't rush, patience doesn't rush to judgment, but puts our feelings on pause so that we can fully listen to what the other person is saying. Proverbs 14, 29, and 30 says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. New Living Translation. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. One writer says, patience is where love meets wisdom. In Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Love practices patience. Love is long-suffering. Literally, the word is long-tempered. It's the opposite of being short-tempered. The word for patience is common in the New Testament and is used almost exclusively not for being patient with circumstances. Everybody ready? but for being patient with people. If it weren't for people, everything would be all right. Ever said that before? Right? But that is the issue, is it not? That's where we lack patience. Someone in a line, someone in their car, a spouse that you have to wait for in the morning. Come on already. What's it going to take to get out of here? Right? Have you ever noticed when you're driving that if you are not late to somewhere, 
you're, you decided to kind of mellow it out, downshift and cruise, somebody inevitably is on your bumper, impatient. Right? You're like, what's their problem? And then have you ever turned it around and found that you're the person who's late? And it's their problem, the one that's cruising. It's always the other person's problem. I want them to be patient with me, but I'm not sure I want to be patient with them. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, long-suffering is love enduring. Love performs the positive act of waiting. Love is patient. It reflects a willingness to live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. Maybe there's a reason that God has asked you to wait. Maybe God's put you in situations where you have to be patient because he knows that that's your problem. Ever thought of it that way? I had a brother in the Lord one time tell me that he heard a message from a pastor about divine delays. And he said he's heard stories where if someone would have left the house earlier, got on the plane or whatever, something bad would have happened. And because they had to wait or they had to exercise patience, God spared them or gave them a different opportunity. It's not an excuse, but it's a way to maybe reorient our thinking. It's hard to be patient with people. It's hard to be patient with someone who exhausts us. The King James translates it, love suffereth long. When you think about it, these are the two pillars that is patience and kindness that God has had in his dealings with us. God is patient and God is kind. When we wrap this up, I'm going to have you put the name of Jesus where love is, and you're going to see that Jesus or God fits these descriptions perfectly. Has God been patient with you? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Come on. How patient has he been with you? Incredibly patient. I heard eternally. <laughs> Romans 2.4 says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Romans 2.4 not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. In 2 Peter 3.9, Peter says, The Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing that any perish, but all come to repentance. I know we're repentance. I know we're all looking at the world right now and saying, Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Come, Lord. The country's falling apart. Come, Lord. But some of you know if the Lord would have come in His second coming five years ago, you might not be in the kingdom. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, fill in the blank. God is patient and He is kind. One of Abraham Lincoln's earliest political enemies was Edwin M. Stanton. He called Lincoln a low cunning clown and the original gorilla. He said it was ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see a gorilla when they could uh, find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. Lincoln never responded to the slander. But when as president he needed a secretary of war, he chose Stanton. When his incredulous friends asked why, Lincoln replied, because he is the best man for the job. Years later, as the slain president's body lay in state, Stanton looked into the coffin and said through tears in his eyes, there lies the greatest ruler of men that the world has ever seen. His animosity was finally broken by Lincoln's long-suffering.
His non-retaliatory spirit, patient love won out. That's from John MacArthur. Thus, Paul's description of love begins with a twofold description of God, who through Jesus Christ has shown himself forbearing and kind to us when we didn't deserve it. The obvious implication, says Gordon Fee, of this is how we need to love people the way God has loved us. Would you all flip over to Ephesians 5, just a little bit to your right? Pass up Galatians, go to Ephesians 5. Look at verse 1. Ephesians 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Ephesians 5, 1. Imitate God as beloved children since we're in his family. And what should we do? We should, Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love. We should live in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. We are to love, we are to imitate the love of God in our lives. Go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and we'll look at one more. Love is patient and love is kind. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6, Paul says, In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, and in the power of God. Paul says, this is how I accomplish the ministry towards Gentiles. The Lord made me to love Gentiles. Paul is a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was taught in the high-level rabbinic schools. He got all the, the teaching. Much of it was a miss about how to think about Gentiles and so forth. And Paul says, God made me a minister, uh, a missionary to the Gentiles. Here's my point. God may call upon you to love those that you never imagined you could love. Has he changed your heart? Are you starting to love Maybe in a different way. Have you found a new definition of love? I hope you have. Because you find it in the face of Jesus. Love is patient. Second foundation upon uh, all of this being built is love is kind. The present tense of the verbs mean that we need to keep being patient and keep being kind. These are habitual practices. We can't say, well, I was patient with you two days ago, but now I'm done. <laughs> right? No, it's a habitual action. Or as Dr. Barnhouse put it, kindness is love's touch. The word for kind is benevolent. To be kind is to be useful, serving. It's to be gracious. It's to act in goodwill. Kindness is generous. Kindness is provision. Just as patience is willing to take so much, kindness is willing to give so much. Think about it. Patience will take much. Kindness will give much. Continuing to read from the love dare, kindness is love in action. Patience avoids a problem. Kindness creates a blessing. One is preventative, patience. The other is proactive, kindness. These two sides of love are the cornerstones on which many of the other attributes of love are built. Love makes you kind. And kindness makes you likable. When you're kind, people want to be around you. They see you as being good to them and good for them. Kindness takes initiative. It's helpful. It's willing. It's gentle. It's pictured well in the story of the Good Samaritan. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics. You don't have to be in a situation where you constantly feel like you're on the defensive. You can use questions strategically to let somebody defend their own views and ask them why they believe what they believe. It's really an incredible, life-changing approach to witnessing. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. It's willing. It's gentle. It's pictured well in the story of the Good Samaritan. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, Proverbs 3.3, 3, and you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of men. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, Titus 3, uh, 4 and 5. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus tells the story. He's been asked by a lawyer, an expert in the law, about the greatest commandments. Jesus tells the story. A couple religious leaders see a man taken by thieves, beat up, left for dead. The religious experts in the law that know that the law is summarized in loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself go to the other side of the street and will not bind his wounds and help him. But they're experts in the law. But they walk by and say, nope, no thank you. Not going to touch that guy. Not going there. And then a Samaritan came by. Jesus is such a great storyteller. Because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews and vice versa. And the Samaritan comes by and he sees the man there beaten and bloodied. And he tends to his wounds and he puts him on his animal. And he takes him to an inn. And he says, look, take care of him and I'll cover the bill. And if there's anything more that needs to happen here, I'll pay for it. Which one of these men showed compassion to the man taken among thieves? You can see the religious leaders of the day. I suppose the one Samaritan who showed compassion. And Jesus said, then you go and do the same. Any more questions? Any more questions? It's hard when you ask a question and then you get corrected by the master of love who essentially says, that's you. You walk by people who are different from you. You mock people who are of of a different background or race or come from a different place. And you have created a cold, pitiless religion, which means nothing. 
You are nothing, Jesus might say to the religious leaders. Oh, you have your phylacteries, you have the scriptures all over your body, and you tithe, mint and cumin, and you fast twice a week, but you are a hypocrite. Hard stuff, but from the Lord of love, who knew their hearts, and he knew that the love of God was not in them. They were religious, but empty. William Barclay says, it's not too much to say that everything that's been done for the aged, sick, the weak in body and in mind, the animal, the child, the woman, has been done under the inspiration of Christianity, close quote. Heard a story about a small orphan boy. He lived with his grandmother. One night their house caught fire. The grandmother, trying to rescue the little boy who was asleep upstairs, perished in the smoke and the flames. A crowd gathered around the burning house. The boy's cries for help were heard above the crackling of the blaze. No one seemed to know what to do, for the front of the house was a mass in flames. Suddenly, a stranger rushed from the crowd. He circled to the back where he spotted an iron pipe that reached to the upstairs window. He disappeared for a moment, then reappeared with the boy in his arms. Amid the cheers of the crowd, he climbed down the hot pipe as the boy hung around his neck. Weeks later, a public hearing was held in the town to determine whose custody the boy would be placed in. Each person waiting, uh, wanting the boy, was allowed to speak briefly. The first man said, I have a big farm. Everybody needs the outdoors. The second man told of the advantages he could provide. I'm a teacher. I have a large library. He would get a good education with me. Others spoke. Finally, the richest man in the community said, I'm wealthy. I could give the boy everything mentioned tonight farm, education, and much, much more, including money and travel. I'd like him in my home. The chairman asked, anyone else like to say a word? From the back seat rose a stranger who had slipped in unnoticed. As he walked toward the front, deep suffering showed in his face. Reaching the front of the room, he stood directly in front of the little boy. Slowly, the stranger removed his hands from his pockets. A gasp went up from the crowd, the little boy whose eyes had been focused on the floor until now looked up. The man's hands were terribly scarred. Suddenly the boy emitted a cry of recognition. Here was the man who had saved his life. His hands were scarred from climbing up and down the hot pipe. With a leap, the boy threw himself around the stranger's neck and held on for dear, dear life. The farmer arose and left, the teacher too, the rich man, and everyone else departed, leaving the boy and his rescuer, who had won the boy without a word. Those scarred and marred hands spoke more effectively than any other words. We all realize that it's the scarred hands of Jesus that say all we need to know. That God so loved you and me that he gave his son. God is kind. He's been patient with us. He's been kind with us. And he's shown his love for us, put it on display at the cross. If you end up in darkness on that day, if you end up separated from God, you will have to climb over his son. You will have to climb over the sacrifice of the cross. You will have to reject love to find yourself in hell. But there is a hell. And it is a place for the loveless. It is a place for people who say, no, I don't want him in my life. I don't want his love and I don't want his lordship. 
But anyone who has ever seen the cross for what it is and understood their creator for who he is will say, oh Lord, I will run, jump around your neck and I'm not letting go. Please never let go of me. Amen. Father, we thank you for this love chapter. We are moving slowly, but we need to because love, your love is amazing. You have been so patient and so kind with us. If you, O Lord, kept a record of my faults, I could never stand before you. But you love me to the end. You love me all the way to the cross. As Paul put it, Jesus loved me and delivered himself up for me. What amazing love is this? It's love that's won over skeptics and atheists. It's a love that's won over the hardest of hearts. It's a love that needs to win us again and again. But here, as we pray at the end of a message on 1 Corinthians 13, it's a love that's available. Especially if you're here and you've never known that love, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you never saw the cross for what it was. God in human flesh taking your punishment. Taking the insults, carrying the weight, taking the wrath for you. This is the ultimate expression of love. And if you haven't known that love or you need to find your way back to that love, something this simple but so profound, don't let it pass you by. Lord Jesus, pray it if it's you. Please come into my life. Thank you for loving me so deeply and richly. I put my trust in you as my Lord, my Savior, my King, and my God. Pray it if it's you. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from running from you. And I give my life to you. I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe you died on that cross for me and resurrected from the dead. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in you and you alone for my salvation. Please save me. Restore me. And use me to spread your gospel to others. In Jesus' name I pray. You're listening to True Love 2, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. Remember, our goal is to equip you so that you have an answer for your faith in Jesus Christ. Are friends or family or coworkers asking you questions about Christianity? Are they questions that you're having a hard time answering? Well, we'd love to help with those answers. Email your questions to the address answers at walkintruth.com. And Pastor Michael will answer your question using the Word of God. Again, the email is answers at walkintruth.com. Or you can write us a letter, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And we look forward to hearing from you. Here's Pastor Michael. Well, Paul's been repeating this theme that we have, if we have these spiritual gifts and we do radical things, but we have not love, we're nothing. It's for nothing. And that should really make us think deeply about why we do what we do. And if it's void of love, it's not going to produce anything. And that's not what any of us want. So I think the bottom line here is Oh, God, help us to be filled with your love so that everything we do matters, so that 
what we do is so filled with love for you and for others, really the essence of the greatest commandments, that we're getting a lot of stuff done. And rather than it being nothing, it means everything. Love means everything. Man, uh, this this teaching in 1 Corinthians is so good, and I want to encourage you to stay tuned because there's more to come about what true love is all about. Well, we would love for you to visit us here at Walk in Truth, and the church behind Walk in Truth is called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, along with several other pastors, a great staff, a great church family. I know you'll enjoy the worship, you'll enjoy the people. If you enjoy the the type of teaching that you hear on this broadcast, that's what you're going to get from the pulpit. Service times are 9 and 11, 15 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love for you to come out this weekend. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet your family. Love to give you a handshake or a hug or both. Love for you to experience one of our services. If you've been out of church for a while or you've been hungry to go deeper into God's Word, uh, this is the place for you, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Hey, we have child care. We have a Sunday school program. We have a youth group at our second service, 9 and 11, 15 a.m., 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona is the address right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. You can download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Download it today. You'll get info, directions, and much, much more. And I look forward to seeing you at one of the services. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Tune in Monday for message number three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the True Love Series. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And as always, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all.